Welcome back, Bass Edge listeners, for another exciting episode of Bass Edge Radio. And for all you newbies out there, get ready to be hooked because Bass Edge Radio is coming at you. Presented by MegaWare Keelguard. Absolutely, and if you have not checked them out yet, be sure to look into the Flex Step, the Skeg Guard, and of course their flagship product, the Keelguard. Kurt, what an exciting episode in store for today. Aaron, I'm totally stoked for today's show. We're going to talk to a BASS elite angler in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight about shallow water fall fishing. Stay tuned to Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing from the Bass Edge Studios. High above Table Rock Lake in the Missouri Ozarks. Well, Aaron, as always, it's great to be back with Bass Edge Radio and talking more about fishing. You know, I never get tired of talking about fishing. It's one of those passions that I could go to my grave just muttering about fishing. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, like we've said many, many times, if you can't be on the water, we might as well be talking about it. Hey, you know what, though? I just happen to remember, Kurt, before we go too much farther, I do want to throw out the reminder because we're in the final couple weeks here of October. And for the month of October 2013, Hillgar is still doing that discount. The only thing that you have to do is go to their website, keelguard.com, figure out which product you want, call the 1-800 number, talk with Nancy, and enter in that CPA, that's C is in cat, P is in Paul, A is in Apple, 2013 code, and that will save you 15% on your next purchase. Well, Aaron, I tell you what, I'm not usually big on early Christmas shopping, but certainly that's an opportunity to get something knocked out real quick. <laughs> yeah, it is. As you talk about shopping, you know, I, I was talking with my nephew. He's really big into hunting and bow hunting, and of course that season here in the Ozarks has long been started. But, you know, I often forget that this is kind of a time of year fishing-wise, if you're not a hunter, it kind of opens up a lot of the waterways to be able to get out there and move around at free will. Yeah, for me, you know, Aaron, just getting out and just being able to relax more, you know, the competitive environment for me is is through doing some guiding here at Lake Amistad. But really, this is the time of year there's nobody else out there. So there's a lot of solitude to be had and uh, really enjoying that aspect of fishing during these fall months and this time of year. Plus, you know, it's a great time of year where you can think about a lot of different things, you know, catching fish deep, catching fish shallow. There's still a lot of fish that are scattered all over in the water column, so it's a great time to work on different tactics for next year as well. It really is, and one thing you better do, pack in layers, because I have found myself here in the last couple times that I've been out, you start with about three layers on in the morning because of that chill in the air, and then by the time that the afternoon sun pops out, you're down to shorts and you know flip-flops again. Yeah, no question. There is definitely a chill that comes to the air in late October and early November. But I tell you what, you know, we've got some awesome stuff coming up with BASS Elite Pro James Nigemeyer in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. And we're going to talk to James about one of his specialties, and that's fishing shallow in the fall and how to stay on top of these fish that are transitioning. We'll be right back. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio. 
At Legend Boats, we have one agenda, to build the finest bass boat on the water. It's our passion. Our hand-laid hulls and zero-tolerance stringer and transom system give you a smooth, dry ride, even in the rough stuff. The Alpha 211 with its massive fishing platform. The Alpha 199, fast and stable. And coming soon, the Alpha 191, a 19-footer with a style, attitude, and a price value all its own. Legend Boats, catch the wave, ride with a legend. More Bass Edge in 30 seconds. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Hey, Bass Edge Nation, this is Keith Combs, and you are tuned in to Aaron and Kurt on Bass Edge Radio. I believe the date was October 16th of 2009, episode 129, the last time that we had BASS elite angler James Niggemeyer joining us. Of course, a lot of you realize that Bass Edge Nation know that James has been featured on numerous Bass Edge television shows, DVDs, and podcasts, but for those that are possibly unaware, you are in for a treat as our good friend is at the mic. James, it's a pleasure to have you back. It's a pleasure to be back. You know, it's been a while since we've been able to do this and to get together with uh, the listeners and, and you guys from Bass Edge. Man, this is great. I'm looking forward to it. Well, James, you know, it's any time that we have the opportunity to get really kind of one of the Bass Edge alumni back on the show, we always kind of like to venture down that memory lane. And the very first time I remember meeting you, I think we were down at like a BFL or something on a Wachita. I mean, that was like 2002 or 2003 or something. But, you know, maybe it's a sign of kind of us all getting older, but it's really hard to believe how the time has flown by and quite frankly, the number of years that you've been on tour. Yeah, I mean, that is really something that I looked at just recently, last you know year or two. I'm thinking, here I'm going, this is my year seven on the Elite Series, and now going into year eight next year. And it's amazing, you know, we're approaching 10-year mark, how fast the years accumulate. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, that was, oh, that was five years ago. That was six years ago, and my rookie year was 2007. Oh, my gosh, it just flies by. And, you know, what do they say about, you know, having fun and time flying? really true you know and anytime you can get out there and do something you love to do it just seems like the days the hours the months even seem to fly by and they really have well and kids even put that even more into perspective when you have your own you know yeah, absolutely and i've got my five-year-old she just started school and that just blows me away i i hesitate to say it but i want to say where have i been where are the hours where the, where the days go where the years go but i know where i've been i've been on the water and so <laughs> So you you really don't want to ask that question of your wife. She'll be quick to point out, you've been on the water this whole time. <laughs> I've been racing our kids. <laughs> that's, that's, so when uh, I am home, I try to make the most of it for sure. Well, James, you know, I know that you're a great dad. I see you out there on the road with your kids, and, and you guys have an, an awesome family and both commitment to family and, and to your career as fishing. You know, that that's one thing that we have obviously very much in common, both residing in Texas, living and guiding on Lake Falcon and me at Amistad, fishing elite tournaments and open tournaments, sponsor commitments. I mean, it, it really never ends. Um, you know, James, if you could break down for our listeners, you know, let's say just like an average month, what's your schedule and routine? 
You know, I've got a pretty busy five or six weeks ahead of me. Right now I'm in Oklahoma practicing. This is the second official day of practice for the uh, Bass Central Open on the Arkansas River in Muskogee. So I'll have one more day of practice tomorrow and then two days of tournament. And if hopefully I make the top 12 cut, then three days of tournament. Then I'll go home for about a week. While I'm home, I'll have a team championship tournament on my home lake in Lake Fork where I die, which I'm really looking forward to that. It ends next Sunday, and then I'll leave for Sam Rayburn to begin practice for an Everstart, which that'll go on for another week. And then I won't get to go home. I'll go drive to Tennessee to be a part of a riders conference, which is always a great thing to do when you're a promoter and professional anglers such as myself, keeping those connections and it enables me to promote my sponsors and promote my guide service and everything like that. And so then after that, I go down to Mississippi for the third Central Open on Ross Barnett. And then I don't get to go home. I get to go to Georgia to be a part of the filming of a fishing show out there on Lake Seminole. And then after that, I get to go home. So it'll be a while. But in the midst of that, it's like four to five weeks of being on the road. And I think my family will actually join me at one point, maybe in Mississippi for a few days so we can catch up in the time between the tournaments isn't so long. You know, James, you describe your schedule there and of course I'm, I'm familiar with some of those things and it's just unbelievable how, you know, the perception is that, you know, we get out there and we fish these events and then we go home and just go out fishing and do other stuff but there's so many other parts to this business to make it work. It is definitely a grind, you know, it never stops and never ceases to amaze me how many things that if you don't keep yourself involved in this industry how you can get uh, really just lost in the industry, period. So it, it's so important to stay on top of your craft and, and do all those great things that you do for your sponsors. And you've got a great career going. And obviously, I continue to hope the best for you as, as you move along. But man, that's an awesome schedule. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, Kurt. You know, the thing about it, it sounds pretty demanding there in this next four to five weeks. But the reality is I get to live my dream. I get to go out and be out on the water. I get to fish. And really, it's something I wanted to do since I was a young kid. And to be realizing that is truly amazing. It's the gift, and I'm so thankful that I can do it. I hope I can do it for many more years to come. Well, James, you really kind of already touched on this. Perhaps I'll throw this really out to both of you guys, and maybe you can expand on it a little bit more. But a lot of you know recreational anglers look at the two of you guys and think that that's absolutely insane to try and keep that pace with that type of schedule. And I think a lot of that comes from you know using the outdoors to really connect with nature and, and kind of unplug from their cell phones and the busyness of their job. But competitive fishing seems to do the opposite. Can you elaborate a little bit more on why do it? And maybe both of you guys jump in on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when you think of a tournament, everyone just thinks of the actual tournament process where you're competing. But it always includes an official three days of practice for the Opens in the Elite. Sometimes we even put in more days prior to an Open event because there's no off limits. But that's a time where you spend a lot of time in the boat alone. And um, you can just really unplug and step away from everything and just really be out there in God's creation and just enjoy it and absorb it and you can see some incredible things like the other day I saw this deer jump off this island into the water and swim across and back up on the bank and it was getting late in the day and it was just a real special time and you could just see these things and oh there's just so many things you can experience and, and I still absolutely do unplug and just really like you say connect out there and just enjoy the outdoors no doubt. James I agree you know one thing that a lot of us professional anglers do when we're out there is traveling in between the events I mean just being able to be on the open road for me that 
that's a cool feeling. You know, you get to see so many things throughout the country when you're traveling from tournament to tournament. So even though, you know, there might be some stress, all the competitive atmosphere going on at the particular tournaments, when you're out there maybe pre-practicing well before the events, you know, you get to see so many things. And like James just mentioned, just being able to be in tune with nature and you do get that unplugged. The great thing is, is that even when you're in that competitive environment, if you have a good day or a bad day and you just look around, you think this is a great pursuit of a passion and you know you know that you're in a position that a lot of other people would like to join you and of course you know hopefully all of Bass Edge Nation joins us at different times throughout the year because it's just fun being out there and every bite is a new experience and that's what we live for. Yeah you know and Kurt you really touched on it having that proper perspective is important. My wife helps me with that a lot of times sometimes you have a bad tournament and you come away and you're like man this stinks and I can't believe it didn't go better than this and yet she'll look at me and say hey look you get to do what you love to do for a living remember it you know appreciate it don't you know don't let everything get slipped away by a bad tournament you know don't lose sight of what it is that you get to do and be appreciative of it and she's right being on the open road like you said you know my kids get to travel with me on the elites and they're wanting to keep their head in the video game or watch a movie or something like that i'm like look out the window most people this is their vacation you need to just take in every scenery every you know every every bit of countryside that you can Sometimes they really don't realize how uh, fortunate they are to, to be able to get out there and see all that country. I really enjoy it. Likewise. I tell you, James, let's let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Let's talk more to the Bass Edge Nation about things that we're learning out here on the water. And one question that's often asked through many folks is the topic of covering water. James, let us know what that means and how does the average angler gauge or benchmark themselves? You know, everybody's in a different place in their fishing and nobody fishes like anybody else. So it's kind of hard to say what that benchmark would be with every individual. But I think the thing that when we refer to covering water is understanding, you know, how to call water that there isn't any fish or there isn't any life and just trying to move through an area and just discern whether there are the potential fish to either win a tournament or to have a good day here or to move on. I think a lot of times people look at pro anglers on tour and they're like, man, the guy's moving so fast. But until he gets that first bite that really clues him in to what's going on, typically your bites are not random. You know, there's a reason to every bite that you get. And until you get that first bite, there really isn't a whole lot of reason to slow down, especially on a good play, a good body of water, good reservoir, and known fishery. There are fish somewhere, and you can keep moving. You might fish over some, but you want to be trying to get to those fish that are active or those areas that have big schools or concentrations of fish. So moving through an area, continuing to look for bait fish presence, continuing to look for uh, cover types, eliminating, you know, if there's wood or weeds or rock or different things like that, secondary points, primary points, back to creeks and those things trying to eliminate those areas so that you can find the fish is a part of that covering the water process and i think uh, everybody needs to challenge themselves just a little bit further i continue to try to move a little faster i'm typically not as fast as a lot of guys when it comes to this and so i continually challenge myself to cover more water just move a little faster and be more efficient with every little thing that i do on the water james when you're fishing in october specifically when you're covering water you talk about things that you're looking for out there in this time of year, this late fall, what is it that exactly you're visually getting excited about when you see it as you're covering this water? Bait fish presence. The fall is always about bait to me. You know, in the spring, it's all about spawn and procreation of the species. 
And then in the fall, it's about feeding up for the winter, whether they're actively blowing up and chasing shad up on the bank or in the creek channels itself, or even out on the main lake, it's the bait fish. That is what they're looking for. And so that's what gets me excited when I see the presence of bass and bait fish together. And typically, if you see one, the other one's not far away. That's what I look for this time of year. In the fall, it runs a super close second to spring for me. I really love to fish in the fall and have, have had some great tournaments this time of year as well. James, back to kind of complimenting the earlier question. So let's say you're covering water, you're moving down the shoreline, bait fish are present, perhaps you've had one or two bites. Now flip side is how do you know when to leave a particular spot or an area and kind of explain your rule of thumb for that? Wow, that's a toughie because, you know, there are so many things that factor into that experiential-wise and the time of year and different things like that. But, you know, being that it's the fall, if I can get one or two bites in an area, I think that it's probably a good idea to stick around. Now, if I haven't had a bite in, say, maybe an hour, then I, you know, maybe an hour is quite a long time. But if I've had a couple bites, decent bites, when I moved into a particular area, I would definitely stick around and try to undercover what's there before I rule it out. Maybe 30 minutes just to try to figure out because what happens I think a lot of time with bait fish and bass is, is they're in an area, especially in the fall, they make a move, a play to try to ambush this bait and they do that and then the bait scatters and the bass scatter and then the bass will get into a wolf pack and the shad will kind of tighten back up in order so the whole thing has to try to kind of cycle through to to get in the position where they start to eat again. So sometimes you kind of have to let it settle down. And if you catch a couple, you can break up a school. And when typically fish that are singular by themselves like that, they tend to not be as aggressive. There's not that competitive thing between the fish going on. So I want them to school back up, tighten back up, and the shad get back tight again, then they can start that feeding process all over. So I'll give some time for that to happen before I actually want to dismiss an area. But at the same time, it's a big area, then I'll, I'll maybe move down the bank and then circle back and come back through that area. I caught a couple fish. So different things like that I'll take into consideration when I'm fishing around bass and bait. Sounds like timing is a critical factor. And as for our timing right now, we have got to head into a quick break, but we're going to spend the second half of the show talking to you about shallow water fishing in the fall. I know one of your real specialties, that shallow water stuff. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio presented by MegaWare Keel. Oh, oh, oh. Whether you're on the road, on the water, or in your backyard, there's a Superstart battery when you need one at O'Reilly Auto Parts. From car batteries to batteries for your lawnmower or boat, every Superstart battery comes with a nationwide replacement warranty. Starting power, starting performance, and starting reliability, Superstart batteries available exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron Martin and Kurt Dove. We are back on Bass Edge Radio with featured guest James Niggemeyer. And this segment of the show is brought to you by Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. From real oil to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements, visit lucasoil.com. It works. Well, James, we just spoke about covering water, when to leave an area. Let me ask you, do those answers ever change? You know, we're getting ready to head into November here in just a few weeks. The water is starting to get really cool in most parts of the country. How is that going to affect you leaving or coming and covering the water in a particular area? Typically, uh, when it starts to cool down in the fall and, and if you get into November and even to December, where, where I live in Texas, you can fish shallow year-round, and so that's not even an equation of whether I need to fish deeper. 
Absolutely. Canfish Deeper and fishing in November deep can be incredible out there on Lake Fork. But across the country, I think typically, depending upon the water body you're fishing, you can stay shallow. The thing that I have, I think is you start to have to slow down. And so when I was learning on a 6-3 to 1 Ardent Reel, now I'm maybe scaled back to a 5. Starting to use more tighter wobbles instead of wider wobbling crankbaits different things like that that actually imitate closely what the bait fish are doing. The bait fish aren't as aggressive and they're not moving as fast, but also they're maturing in size that time of year. So maybe a little bit bigger size of bait, a lure type that I would choose to select that time of year would be also a key. But slowing down, it's a good time to pull out the jigs and um, just fish more methodically. It doesn't mean that lipless crankbaits won't catch them because it absolutely still will, but um, taking into consideration with the water cooling, that's about the time when I really start to address the idea of moving bait slower unless I'm trying to get that reaction style strike. So just uh, the presentation and, and moving the bait, how fast I move the lure is, is going to be something that I'm really going to look at as the water cools even into December. What about, James, you hinted to it there as far as on the size of bait you're using. Are you going bigger generally or smaller? Typically, I like to try to go a little bit bigger as we get in towards November. Just because, like I say, that bait fish size has been growing all year. The shad's on probably in, you know, May, June-ish time frame, and, and then it's just had all year to feed on plankton and so forth, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger in the bait size. I feel like that at larger size, you have some gizzard shad and different bait opportunities for bass. So I, I like a larger bait profile that time of year. But it's not that I outrule smaller lure choices, but that's something I tend to start to look at a whole lot more as we move into the later part of fall. Hey, James, earlier, you know, when we were talking about covering water and, and what you're looking for, you talked about bait fish. Average weekend anglers getting able to hit the water third Saturday in October. Where is he going to go look for that bait fish? And what kind of cover or situations do you generally find that bait fish so that we can get out there and find them just as quick as we can? Because, you know, we might only have a day or so on the water, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the thing that is important. You know, whether you fish a tournament or you're just fishing for fun out any given day is just trying to figure out where those fish are. And in that time of year, what I like to do is I like to move in the backs of creeks. And you hear about that all the time is the shad migration in the fall. The shad go in the backs of creeks. And about middle October, that's the prime time to have that happen. And one of the creek types that I like to look for is I like to look for one that actually has a defined creek channel where before you dammed a reservoir, there would have been an actual creek that ran through this meadow, so to speak. And even, you know, during the wetter times of the year, there'd be water in that creek. And so what I want is I want some sort of, you know, area where if there was rainfall or what have you, there's fresh water coming in. It seems like the shad really try to get into those areas a little thicker than they do in even some of the bays and even the similar creeks that don't have a an actual proper creek in the back of it. And so I like to look at those types of places. I don't know if it's the fresh water that draws them in as you have those little thunderstorms in the late part of the summer and into the fall like that where the fresh water comes in and shad gravitate towards that. I think there has to be a degree of that. But also, you know, the shad like to get on rocks and riprap. And that's something I'll keep my eye open for. And vegetation, whether it's lily pad or hydrilla or milfoil, that's key. And docks are really good. In the fall, docks are really good because it's a type of cover that the fish can get around in ambush bait as they swim up and down the shoreline. So docks can be really good. And I think it also offers the algae and the different things that the shad might feed on that time of year as well. So those are some different cover types I'd look for within that creek as I begin my search in the middle part of October. Well, James, you've obviously covered so much information already, but I don't even want to limit it to just per se a rod and reel. But if you could offer a couple pieces of advice to Bass Edge Nation, what would those 
angles be and why? What I tend to see is when I see recreational anglers that come out on the, on the weekends and fish, I think a lot of times maybe they don't cover enough water. And we've been talking about that this episode here. And I think that if a guy if would challenge themselves to move around, especially in the fall time of the year, if they're not getting bit, is move. Typically, I think sometimes guys can wait them out and the fish will come. And, but I think sometimes that guys go out on the water and they fish an old spot where they caught them. You know, I caught them three years ago back here on this very day. And, and a lot of times they'll be there. But if they're not, don't sit there and wait for them to turn up. I think challenge yourselves to move out. And part of the process of fishing that I really enjoy is how much it continually changes. Even on my home lake on Lake Fork where I guide year after year, it just changes and you'll see this you're like wow i never noticed this about this and boy there used to be over here now not over here and water's high and water's low and the different things and vegetation's thick and now it's sparse and there's no vegetation and so there's things that are continually changing within that body of water so i challenge myself and and a part of the process that i really enjoy is relocating those fish and everybody wants to catch them and i do too every day i go out and every cast if i can but the thing that i really like to do is go out there and try to unlock what those fish are doing on any given day and if I can do that, that's you know, where the real reward for me is. And I think that as the anglers get out there and really challenge themselves and push themselves forward to really look for those things on any given day and, and move and locate fish, that's where it really can be a lot of fun. I like that, James. Challenging yourself every day, trying something different, that is so important in becoming a better angler. So uh, hopefully Bass Edge Nation takes you up on that awesome advice. But I tell you what, it is now time for O'Reilly Arts Listener Question section. And today's question comes from Thomas Sewell from Tampa, Florida. Thomas goes into some awesome things here. Let me, let me just read this real quick. Thomas says, I have to thank you guys for putting together such an educational show. He was really struggling to put fish in the boat during this, you know, late fall time of year. He went to previous podcasts recorded in the summer months and the information he found from our Timmy Horton episode, the lake that he was fishing was man-made. He found some old road beds and decided to target the fish as Timmy mentioned, with a crankbait. Unbelievably, Thomas caught two monsters on back-to-back casts, two fish over seven pounds, and, and he just can't wait to get back on the water. But, James, he's got this one specific question, and that is, does a barrel swivel with a clip affect the action of my crankbait or any other lure-style bait? He asks this because he finds it easier to change from one lure to another. He's found this new passion in crankbaiting. James set him on his way and tell him how he can utilize or maybe he shouldn't utilize that barrel swivel with a clip. Two sevens on back-to-back. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. Crankbaits will do it for you. I, I love to throw a crankbait myself. And, you know, really, I love to tie every lure direct. The split ring is about the only thing I really like in between my line, rod and reel, and my bait. However, I did go through a period where I just used a snap. And a snap is uh, something, you know, that's connected to your barrel swivel, but that, or you call it, a, refer to it as a clip. You can buy these snaps that just make lure changing real quick and easy. And I would actually prefer that over the barrel swivel with a clip just because I like to have my bait looking as natural as possible. And just that, you know, half to three-quarter inch of extra metal out in front of there, I know it doesn't matter to the fish because obviously they eat an umbrella rig, right? So <laughs> that's not that big of a deal to the fish. But I, that's, I always try to make my lures look as natural as possible. And the other thing I think I'll be caution against is not getting in the habit of just changing lures with that snap or that clip without retying from time to time. I know that from time to, you know, if you'll get into that habit of uh, just clipping from lure to lure, you maybe don't 
check your line for frays. And so make sure you're checking your lines. Make sure you get a tight connection. If you're even if you're just going to use the clip, I definitely would say either use the clip or tie direct. That'd just be my advice, and that's the thing that I like to do. So give that a shot. Check out that clip. I think that'll really help, and uh, it'll definitely make changing baits a lot easier as well. Well, thank you, James, for answering Thomas's question. And Thomas, thank you for sending in your question, and congratulations for being chosen for the O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question segment. O'Reilly Auto Parts, the professional parts people. Thomas, remember to send us your email and let us know that you heard your question on the show along with your mailing address, and we'll get you out that $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Just a reminder for all of Bass Edge Nation to send those listener questions in to support at BassEdge.com, Bass Edge Facebook, or Twitter page to have a chance to win the $100 gift card from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Well, James, as always, it is uh, truly been a pleasure to hang out with you and talk fishing. Any final thoughts that you have for Bass Edge Nation? Gosh, when I started out bass fishing, the only way you could get any advice or really learn more about bass fishing was to read the pages of Bassmaster Magazine and Bass Times and, and other publications like that. And what a wonderful thing that you guys have here in Bass Edge Radio that you can connect with the listeners and, and just the vast knowledge that can be shared with other pros and as you guys get together every weekend. And that's a that's a pretty neat deal. I think that there's so many different opportunities now to, to grow as anglers. And I just want to thank you guys for having me be a part of, of the Bass Edge Nation radio show here. That And uh, I sure had a, a great time connecting with you guys. And hopefully it isn't so long before I come back. Absolutely. We will uh, for sure make that happen. Once again, James, thanks for being on the show. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio presented by MegaWare Keelguard. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerful is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerful deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerful won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Hey everybody, I'm Justin Lucas. I'm Jason Christie. This is FLW Tour Angler Brian Thrift. I'm Kevin Hawk, BASS Pro Pete Ponds. This is Steve Reese, and you're tuned in to Bass Edge Radio. As always, great to have James back at the mic with us. Can't believe it's been that long, Kirk, but you know, there were several things that he brought out in the interview I thought were extremely worthy of possibly revisiting. No question, Aaron. You know, we're in the time of year, late October, kind of moving into November time frames, and you got to start thinking about, you know, fall in the middle part of the country is still ongoing, but again, we have another change. You're getting those water temperatures moving from those mid 60s to low 60s, and in some places, even high 50s. And one thing that James really pointed out that I think 
was critical is his adjustment as those temperatures change to even cooler conditions. Um, he talks about still being able to catch fish in the shallow water all the way through the wintertime, but he really talks about a change in presentation, um, slowing down, a big critical aspect, and then at the same time, you know, the action of the lure. He talks about going from a wide wobbling type crankbait to a real tight wobbling crankbait, which is very important to do as that water cools down, and you're just going to get a lot more fish listening to those subtle tips and techniques from all of these Bass Edge radio shows. Kurt, it has certainly been an episode packed full of information and one I feel very confident that is sure to help Bass Edge Nation put more fish in the boat. For Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin. Have a great week, everybody. So long. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.